how about this? How about this? Um, we'll do a general intro. Sure. Talk about a little bit who we are. Where we're from. Yeah. You know. How about that? All right. Courtney, let me know when most we're good. Okay, belief. we're good. All so, right. all right, you what? know. Most woke belief. Oh. What was it? Most woke belief. What, what's that? The name? What's the craziest no, thing you like, believe? Name. And so from, far as conspiracies or oh things like gosh. that. Uh, my name is Robert Demerge, and I'm from Southern California. Uh, it's a communist country. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love California. Um, and um, most, you know what? I, I believe in God. That is the craziest thing to believe. My goodness. In this world, God doesn't exist. Um, no. But the, the point is, is that, man, I... Why don't we just get right into it? I mean, I'm just thinking of the missions conference at Moody this last last two weeks ago. I mean, we see this is where America's headed post post Christian America, post Christian UK, post Christian Europe. When I say most the most insane thing I believe is believing in God, I'm telling you in the next couple of years maybe that's what it is because I'm just thinking right now. Michael Reeves was sharing at the the Moody Moody's at a missions conference not too long ago. You talk to you talk to a forty year old woman on the street. What's a sermon? What's a pastor? She has no idea. Like that baffles me. And I was in Ireland about the beginning of the summer, talking to a cab driver. Same thing. Religion is for the old folks. And I was like, but you're kind of old. You're like fifty years old. And so I was like, like I'm realizing like this is the reality of Christianity overseas right now. And so, um, you know, before we get into that, let's let's do let's do an intro. So yeah, I'm. I'm from so SoCal. Andrew, Dan, Andrew, you go ahead. Who are sure. you? Where are you from? I'm from, uh, my name is Andrew McGarry. I'm from <coughs> Harvard, Massachusetts. Harvard. Not the school, but the town. And uh, I came out to Chicago to come to MBI, and I've been here for two, three years. Three years. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. I'm Daniel Preston, and I'm from Fergus Falls, Minnesota. That is not near the Twin Cities, so no one knows where it is. But, um, yeah, I'm a, let's just say I'm a junior here, a third year on campus, and a theology major. Ooh, nice. same here. Oh, yeah, I'm a pastoral major. Nice. But I'm in the five-year program, so I'll be here for uh, two more years. Perfect. Sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, so... Let's talk about the conference. Um, so Moody, every year they have a, what was this? this was This was Missions Conference. Missions so it conference. talks about it missionaries. Great. Not Founders. Not, Founders, not week. Founders Week. That's next semester. So they do two conferences every year. But this is the this is the missions-oriented conference. So they have people from all over the world come in, different organizations sharing about their work um, overseas. And so I'm going to be honest. This year was the first year I was interested. Um, sometimes they got they, they got very... And I gotta say wow. this carefully. <laughs> I think a lot of people might agree with you. What, what, what was that? I, was just <laughs> I think a lot of people might agree with <laughs> that you. This was a good one. Yeah. 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 Oh, this was great. It was fantastic. And and I'll I'll be honest. I just gotta speak carefully on this. But it was sometimes Moody took a a culture. In my opinion, I, I kind of saw that we were talking about a culturally spawned issue. If you know what I mean, we were talking about racial issues, feminism, this stuff, which is great. I think we should be talking about this, but it just kind of felt like because the culture is doing this, we're going to do it too. It was reactive. It, yeah. That's a great, yeah, great word. And so like, like it, it didn't feel like it had the biblical end, you know, a bib and it, you did see that a little bit. Like it didn't have like a, um, I guess the, the I don't know. And, and I could be judging that wrongly, but, but this year I'd say it was very biblically focused. I'm, I'm being honest. Like what this, was it about again? 
it was about the Trinity and missions. Oh there my goodness. Go. Like that, Very that good. shook my world. Yeah. And I just want to get right into it. Like Michael, uh, Dr. Michael Reeves, uh, president, I think he's the president of, <coughs> excuse me, union school of theology. Mm-hmm. <coughs> he was talking about, um, he, like, he just expounded the Trinity like in a way I've never heard before, and he understood the love of God. Oh, my goodness, this yeah, man. It was, it was and so I just want to jump into that right away, and I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of thoughts. Andrew, Dan, you jump in whenever you want. But like, just like the love of God. Like his first night he talked about the fatherhood of God. For goodness sake, I've looked at God for most of my life as the being in the Trinity that is always requiring himself to be glorified. The Son glorifies the Father. The Spirit is, you know glorifying the son but everything's going back to the father and i never thought the father ever did anything but he blew my mind when he said what is a father life giver it's a life <laughs> the father giver. doesn't do anything <laughs> oh he does he is everything it's so beautiful to see what the father's he, he's life-giving this is what it means to be a father the problem is we're always oh, yeah. projecting our view of a father our experience of a father onto the father the life giver i love that because equating father with life giver blew my mind it made so much sense i was like wow the father is the origin the the one who who is who is bringing life, you know, and so to me, it's just Jesus saying, you know, everything I see the, the Father doing, I'm doing. You know, this stuff made so much more sense, you know, and all this, all the negative um, baggage I had of <coughs> the just just the negative view of a father, it just started to melt away. So, so yeah, it yeah, yeah. I really appreciated when he um, when he said, if you equate the heavenly Father with your Father here on Earth, and you don't have a particularly fond view of your earthly father he mm. he said something like i am so sorry yeah. and it's not um god's place to or it's not um how did he word it? he worded it like um god is not to be like your earthly father your earthly father is to be like god yeah and yeah. your earthly father has failed you yeah. essentially and i'm so sorry about that yeah just taking that in over missions conference it was uh, it was very impactful for me because I didn't have a great relationship with my dad growing up, and I just sat and listened to his expounding on the Trinity, and it was so it was so moving. It was so yeah. excellent. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anyone uh, speak on the Trinity in such a, a delicate but also impactful and powerful way, doing such a a good job to talk about it. I I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, and just. Connecting that to missions, I'd never seen, like, missions kind of what had left a bad taste in my mouth, too. But when, when he started to unpack the Trinity and how God is moving, <coughs> how God is moving, like, like he described missions in the sense that what is this Trinitarian God spurring in your, your heart? What is the wave that he's pushing? And missions is just that. It's just that continuing of what God is doing. Um, but, but, but just getting back to, um, oh, I, I just lost the, lost the train. Um, I lost what I was going to say. Never mind. But but um but yeah, just just seeing God, seeing that that the fire like essentially like missions is the carrying on of the fire God started in your soul. Missions is the the like the wave analogy. You, he started a wave in your life, and that wave is just going to continue and affect other people. You know, God has filled your heart. He is he has filled. You know, your your cup is overflowing, and that's the mission. The missions is the overflow. You know, and so sometimes I think about like how can I know God? Yeah. How can how can I do missions and not know God? That's what I'm trying to say. How That's can a good I way to put it? Missions is the overflow of what you see God do in your own life. I, I mean, and, and like if I have never encountered the gospel, I, I think Isaac actually, a friend of ours, Isaac had just posted on Facebook. He was talking about um, 
encountering the gospel for yourself, knowing that you don't have to earn anything to have the right standing before God. You just have to oh, accept man. it. That's it was, huge. It was huge. That's and it was huge. like, that was it. I mean, it was like, that's what missions is. If you haven't realized that and you're going to go out and serve God, it's, I mean, I mean, know your father in heaven. That was it. So yeah, just thoughts. This, that was, that blew me away. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it in the conference, especially if you didn't get a chance to listen to it or um, have no way of accessing it. He did write a book called Delighting in the Trinity, which I've heard is um, pretty similar to what his um, lectures were about. So if you're interested, go pick up his book, Delighting in the Trinity. Trinity. I've heard it's great. If it's mm -hmm. anything like his lectures, they're definitely oh, yeah. worth getting. Oh, yeah. But um, I appreciated how he went on sort of this um, speculative um, quest, I guess, in um, what if God was not a Trinitarian God? Oh, boom. Talk what if about he that. was? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was huge. What if there was no plurality in the divine essence? I guess, using Neoplatonic terms. I know we don't use um, <laughs> subsistences, essence, personas, hypostases, you know, this language anymore. But it's, yeah. it was central to how um, who we know <laughs> God to be was formed in the 4th century. And, yeah. 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 So, um, I, like, Robert, you want to touch on, like, yeah. um, what if God was not Trinitarian? Oh, my goodness. Like, th that was the point I was forgetting prior, but oh my goodness, blew my mind. Like when I think about God so much of the time, when I'm angry at him at least, it's this pagan solitary God who is looking for people to glorify him. And when you understand the Trinity, God is fully satisfied in himself. He's fully glorified in himself. He's fully loved within himself. And so I look, I was, I was actually just talking to somebody about this this afternoon. God's creation of us, I see, um, I think one of the teachers here was talking about like the language of Genesis. I need to create him, but God doesn't really need to create us, but there's cause he's fully satisfied, but it's because like, I must create I, man. Is that what it was? That, yeah. Yeah. I forgot the exact words. I yeah. must create man. And it's, that, that's great. I must create man. What, what was it? I actually remember. Yeah. We'll get that later. The point is it's like the overflow of God's own love needs to share. It needs to give, it needs to overflow into us. And that's what he wants. And so I just see like, like, like the solitary pagan idea of God, of course it's hungry for glory because there's, but that's not who God is. God in his very nature is, is looking to lavish love upon the world. And he's just looking for hearts that are saying, yes, do it. Yes. Like that's how I see prayer. I've been looking at things very legally recently about how the world works, demons, suffering, um, addiction, uh, even, even like, you know, how the world works, like looking at things legally in the spiritual realm looking like at Job, Satan entering the court, God's throne room and asking for legal permission to afflict Job or these kinds of things. Like, like when you, or even when you're tempted, you are giving legal right to something to have control of you to, to, and I've, I've experienced this myself, like just understanding that like this is, you mean like when you give into temptation? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. That's good clarification. <coughs> so the point is, is that like, you're seeing this. So anyway, I'm getting off topic. The point is, is that the Trinity, though, is is this, is is it? It should blow away all. No, all it, it should radically change how we think about God. I mean, in every area. But I realize in my day to day practice, I totally throw the Trinity out the window, because it's still the solitary God, the Father, and that's why. And He's some sort of monster, and that's not Him at all. That's not Him at all. So anyway, yeah. Just Andrew, any thoughts? Yeah, I. Uh... I really had a, a hard time grasping that for a long time because I was raised in a Christian home and I knew about 
God. You know, I wasn't unfamiliar with it, but just understanding the fact that God doesn't need anything from me mm-hmm. blew my mind yeah. when I finally, when he finally opened my eyes and allowed me to understand that. That was, that was amazing. And that's really when I believe I was born again. That's when I felt his, his love and compassion and his mercy and his grace just overwhelmed me. And my whole attitude changed. It was, it was like night and day. Um, and it's interesting, Kanye West had kind of the same Kanye. experience. I don't know if you guys are uh, up to date on what he's been talking about, but <coughs> he basically said he had the same sort of experience. Uh, yeah. Just going off on a tangent there. But No, no, that, that was, yeah, that was it's really interesting to see what he's been doing. God doesn't need anything from us. Yeah. And that's, that's the amazing thing because he does this all for our benefit. He does it all for... Talk about that, yeah. He do does that. it all yeah. out right of there. his love. And his mercy and his compassion and his grace for us. Which glorifies him in the end. Ultimately, that, it turns, yeah, yeah. If it's, if, if we respond rightly, it's, it glorifies him naturally. Yeah. It's not obligatory. See, this is huge for me as I've kind of tried to understand, you know, kind of competing theologies and different things about what is the theme of the Bible? Oh, to glorify God. Well, if you have the wrong view of God like I do, I'm still maintaining that theme, but I've totally, th- I've totally thrown love out the window. And, when, and so for me, I really see the theme of the Bible is loving God and giving him glory because mm-hmm. it's, it's that relationship. I mean, this is what we see through literally every biblical example. David, for goodness sake, like his, his love for God. Like, I think it's Psalm 137. Um, yeah, 137 or 134. I, I'm not, but it's like you've, you've known me. Your thoughts toward me are innumerable. Or I think it's Psalm 38 yeah. or 36. Talking about people, pour your hearts out to God. You know, and so it's just beautiful, this beautiful language and relationship that God yeah. desires for us. Um, and, and that's huge for me, yeah. So Yeah, Dan, what's the, I, I'm asking you because I feel like you're the type of guy that would know this right off the bat. Uh, okay. What's that, um, that phrase, what's the purpose of life? It's to enjoy God and to, oh, uh, it's from the Westminster Shorter Confession. Yes, I know you know that. Um, <laughs> but, hey, clarify, I am not a Calvinist. So no, that's fine, yeah. that's fine, but... Mm-hmm. But it's um, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's weird because I never really, uh, I didn't grow up in, in high church or reformed church. And so hearing that when I came to Moody was like, wow, that, that's, that's true. But I think a lot of people might struggle with that because they don't genuinely understand yeah. how yeah. Michael Heiser, uh, not Michael Heiser, uh, Dr., Dr. Reeves highlighted the, uh, the Trinity. Mm. in that way oh yeah. yeah yeah that was that was key for me um no but uh any other thoughts from from the conference i just it was huge i mean personally for my own my own growth i just remember thinking back on that week and i was i i, I just i had some profound just changes in my own heart like i was like i had harbored a lot of anger against god and it's 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 kind of like this you know this battle of the mind and the heart you you know things but you don't feel them or you feel things, but you don't know them. And connecting that bridge, that bridge, the head to the heart, was mm-hmm. huge. And so I remember this conference, and it wasn't just me. I was talking to a couple different guys on our, on our dorm floor, and they were saying the same thing. Like, it blew away. It just blew their minds. They're like, to understand the fatherhood of God. Especially, I mean, a lot of men these days. I mean, oh yeah, Daniel, I know you have a one, wonderful dad. I love, I love your dad. He's a great guy. Um, but a lot of men don't always have the best father role model. Yeah. And again, we're, we're projecting our father model, our, the father we know, onto the father. <laughs> Excuse me. The father of God. And so... Um, Dan's I, the exception, not the rule. <laughs> okay. Let's make that exception the rule. That's, that's the kind of yeah, exception yeah. I want to see is the rule. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, and, and I just... 
Yeah, that that was huge for me. I don't know if you guys had any other. Yeah, so I know especially for um, in most of my conversations with people about the Trinity, both here even at Moody and just back home, um, they view it as more of a concept, um, something that you think about in the classroom and really has no uh, vibrant um, application for how you live and actually how you worship and perceive God to be. And I know it doesn't really help when... um, you know, it, uh, in order to stay within orthodoxy, you can't use metaphors or analogies or things like that without succumbing it's to moralism. some sort of heresy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that doesn't, yeah, yeah. you know, necessarily help. But that's, I think, um, just what I appreciated so much about Mike Reeves, Dr. Michael Reeves. Um, <laughs> oh, Mike. <laughs> maybe not. But um, it just really, it brought it home that... Um, God is above all else a personal, loving God. He ne- he doesn't need. Well, okay, quit with this language. But he <laughs> he exists as a plurality, and in that plurality, he is eternally loving towards the Spirit, the Father, and the Son. Now, whether or not the Father is the fountainhead of the Spirit and the Son. Today I have we'll eternally leave that begotten. For, um, the next next podcast, or um, we'll leave it for um, <laughs> another. Time. I guess the yes. patristic seventeen hundred years ago they figured all that out for us. <laughs> ah, yes. But um, yeah, it just really brought it home that God loves eternally his son, his spirit, and vice versa, and they didn't need us. Or, you know, if we were to use either he, they, the singular God did not need us. And um, Mm -hmm. still out of love, (coughs) he didn't create us to, um, you know, when it says um, that we're created to serve God, now, where does it say that? It doesn't say that. But um, we so often think of that, and that's what Michael Reeves was talking about, where if God was not Trinitarian, if he was solitude, he would have created us to serve him in a selfish way. Yeah. But no, in his eternal love, he wants to have communion with us, and he wants to um, bestow on us all the rights of sonship. That he's gonna give to yeah, Jesus. Real quick, I wanna I wanna talk about I wanna talk about like the the Old Testament angry God a little bit. Like I wanna talk about this idea because like so much like we we talk about God the Father and and we see this in the New Testament. But I remember like really it was like trying to understand that God wants this relationship with us. God wants this relationship with us. I mean David. David, book like the story of David, the book of Ruth, kind of highlights this for me, you know, because I see this relational God. But, like, when we talk about, so I'm kind of transitioning the conversation into, like, how do we understand love? Like, I want to talk about the emotion of love, and I want to also talk about the emotion of, like, justice and anger connected to love and in this relationship. Because, like, a big thing for me that saw angry God, angry Father God in the Old Testament was, like, we see that God wants this relationship, but, like, how do we un- make sense of the 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 chastisement? How do we make sense of the the um, 
the the wrath of God. And and I want to quickly. I'm I'm taking a theology class on on suffering with uh, Gerald Peterman, and I just want to. Doctor, <coughs> Doctor Jerry. Doctor. Oh, yeah, good, good old Jerry. Um, Spent a lot of money and time to get that title. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Gerald Peterman, um, and and um, we've been talking about how. And I'll, I just want to share, like personally, as I have grown in the love of God, I have also grown in my hatred of evil. I have un, I felt rage and anger against evil, but it's because I'm I I think I'm seeing the world more like it's because of the love God has for the hurting and the oppressed and the the abused that He is so angry at sin. Um, but you all, we also see that He His solution to the problem is to die for us. Like it, I think that's so amazing. But anyway, I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on angry Old Testament God idea. You know, because because this is common. You know, you hear this. You know, I was just talking to my sister. Uh, you know, last year. You know, she was wrestling with this. And I just remember, like, like I, I want to shed a little bit of light onto this because, like, and personally, like, I see, like, especially with the Babylonian captivity and just getting into agency real quick, you know, and, and the jurisdiction of, like, like God, like the way God works in the world, you know, like, I, I want to talk a little bit mm-hmm. about, like, Israel. So, for example, when God sent Israel, uh, or he sent, <coughs> excuse me, he sent the Babylonians to punish Israel, right? A long overdue punishment because of their apostasy. You know, they were sacrificing their children, this kind of stuff. Wicked, wicked stuff. Um, you know, but he sent Babylon to, I believe it was Babylon, um, to uh, punish them. And at one point he he says, he's like, I repent of, and this this kind of language, I repent of the destruction I brought upon you. And so we were talking about this in my theology class. It's like God gave the, like, the order, you know, they need to be punished, but Babylon overstepped within the agency, the parameters, the jurisdiction, if I'm using these terms right, which they were given. And so, again, getting Amen. back, and we, we'll talk about this some other time, but about, like, free will and agency and sovereignty and God's control and determinism. This kind of stuff's really important <clears> to me. But, like, just looking at that, um, you know, it's helped me understand angry God. But I, I'd want to hear from you guys because this, 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 I mean, just getting back into, like, you know, because we've been talking about the love of God. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the love of God, the relationship of God, but like I want to make sense because I know these are questions in the back of like that have been in the back of my mind and in the back of a lot of people's minds. So if we could just talk about that, yeah. how do we make sense of that? How do we think about that? I think it's hard to make sense of the the judgment and the wrath in the Old Testament that we that we read about when we don't have the the when we don't come to it with the proper perspective of okay, his, yeah, yeah. his love, which is first and foremost. Like okay. I didn't really understand it until I until I experienced it myself, which is kind of a cop-out to say, but I don't think it is really okay. because yeah. um, when I read the Old Testament now, I can't help but see God's love and his mercy just mm. abounding in the Old Testament. He always, you know, even from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, he oh, yeah, took them by definitely. the hand and he and he clothed them. He, yeah, he, like there were consequences. Like, But it when, wasn't, it, it, it was, and this was great, we were just talking about this in one of my classes, it isn't a curse. He curses Satan. Yeah, but he he it's a discipline. If you look at it, and yeah. it, it's interesting. I, my professor was talking about this, uh, Doctor Wexler. He was saying this is not a curse. The, the 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 Satan is cursed. He is cursed. But but we look at it, and it's like you know, um, you know. But we always realize that everything God does after the fall is, is a re- is in the role of a redemptive father. Yeah, the way he brings. Eve to Adam before the fall. It's the role of a father. You know, he makes Eve out. He puts Adam to sleep, but he then brings Eve to her. It's this, this imagery of a father. The, what, brings uh, Eve to him. What did I say? <clears throat> her. Oh, gosh. Um, yes, yes. So anyway, the point is, is that, um, <laughs> the, the point, though, is that um, 
it's the role of this father, you know, this father role. And so same thing with, so anyway, I didn't want to cut you off. But no, definitely. Wanted, yeah. Repercussions are, are, it's just a natural result of, of screwing up, of messing but up. But with the, the goal of restoration. Yeah. Death was, I mean, I, I kind of see death as a curse, honestly, mm-hmm. but it's not something yeah. that God just leaves us with. Okay. He yeah. offers us new life in himself, yeah. which is wild to think about that, you know, we mess up and then he offers himself <coughs> as a sacrifice for our sins. Yeah. Because he can't, because he's able to, he's powerful enough. Hmm. But, you know, he always, he was always warning people. He was always warning, like even Cain, you know, like pre-Judaism, pre, pre-Abraham, like he warned yeah, talk people. About that. Yeah. He said, if you Sin do is, this, this is going to happen. Yeah. If you step outside of my parameters, this is what's going to happen. I don't want this to happen, but it's just a natural result of how I've made this, this system, this yeah. universe. Like, the system, I like you use that word. Like there, are, there's ways that the world operates. Yeah. There, there, there's a law of like a man reaps what he sows. This kind of stuff. Not, you know, not like, in like a a karma sort of sense. I know, but like, but like a retribution. Okay, theology. but but I think yeah. okay, honestly, I think that the new age and these people pick up on systems that God put in place, but sometimes they worship the system. You know what I'm saying? Like just because God made something like a system, it doesn't mean that we know the creator of that of how that works. You know, but God always intervenes, and I think that's what grace is. Do you, uh, now I, in some other episode, I, I'd like to like get into that like that more personally. But like, you know, um, but I think the whole point is God's grace is showing up and giving you what you don't deserve. You know, a man. You know, you you should you deserve death. You know, you deserve death. But what does God give you? He wants to give you life. Um, and and real quick, I, I wanted to add. Oh, I, I'm blanking on it, but um, I, it escaped me. But yeah, um, just keep talking about the Old Testament. Yeah, God. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I know can. at my church back home, um, our pastor one time said, um, if we were to sum up the whole message of the Bible in one statement, and he did it something like this, and he he probably took it from some sort of um, secondary yeah. source material, but. Um, it was that the Bible's main message is the story of God's great love for us, how far we've gone from that love, and the extent to which he will go to bring us back. And so we see throughout the story of the Old Testament, humanity constantly messing up, (coughs) but God always pursuing and trying to restore his creation to himself. And I think um, when in Exodus 34, when... um, God is giving Moses the law chiseled out on two stone tablets. Um, He reveals himself to Moses and says what he is. And um, here, let me read this just so that I get it right. Um, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So here we see when God is revealing himself, we have this intense imagery of power and love compassion he's willing to forgive and yet there's this aspect of justice to that he will not let sin go unpunished and we really see this culminating with the institution of the new covenant in um where jesus takes on the full wrath and punishment that is due to mankind 
And so in that way, I just made know, a connection in a super so. simplified sense. You know, we could talk, we could write thousands of not us, but humanity collectively could write vo- thousands of volumes on this and not exhaust the topic of God's yeah. justice and love and how it all works out and things like that. And we also see too that you know, for our um, our good friends who would look and say that this is a covenant to the is to Israel in particular, um, we see also that Jonah, when he is going to Nineveh, the yeah. Assyrians, this like horrible people, and he knows what God's character is not only to Israel but also to the nations, yeah. and he gets pissed at God. He is so upset. He's like. God, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew you were going to forgive them. That's why I didn't want to come. And we just see this, that humanity is not willing to forgive each other. Jonah was all mad at the Assyrians in Nineveh Mm. and did not want God to be proclaimed there because he knew that God would forgive them and show mercy Yeah, Yeah, in repentance. That was big. He says, you know, do you not care that there are those who, who would really change like my heart when I was reading that was like, do you not care that there are like those who cannot even tell the difference between the right and left hand as well as many animals. And and to me, I'm really seeing that God cares about, you know, even the children and the animals, like he's seeing this, the innocent, you know, um, the very innocent in there um, in, in that sense. Um, so that was big for me. But we also see repentance is integral to God's. Yeah forgiveness for yeah. this so and they did repent they did yes repent. they did yeah, they did mm-hmm. so that's a beautiful i also kind of on a side note someone told me the ninevites were the ancient armenian people <laughs> so <laughs> I, you are armenian I, well we got another armenian in here blake <laughs> i've so never I'm, heard that before i'm, I'm glad I, I i totally have no idea someone told me that recently i forgot who so i want to look into <laughs> that um <laughs> be kind of fun which is interesting because i've always been told that armenia was the first christian, christian nation. nation um and they're they're strict. They're like we were the first Christian nation. Saint Gregory came, and you know I've <laughs> I've had heard a lot about that over the years. But um, but yeah. So that was um, yeah. That's, that's I thought they I were around into. the you know the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. But I mean, I don't know. I, it was oh. just something someone said. I I could be completely wrong. Move <laughs> but, in thousands of years. Hey, that's true. So okay. So you're talking <laughs> about like the historical precursors to yeah 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 yeah. Okay. The, the, so I don't know. Um. So yeah. Um. No, this is. Uh, yeah. Going off topic a little bit. That's oh, an interesting okay. study. If you <laughs> if you get into like the history of nations and yeah, yeah. where they say they came from. Um you know, like Noah's sons, they moved across, you know, certain I mean, parts of the hey, globe. Hey, Joseph Smith, the Indians are the ten lost tribes, you know? Yeah. Also, according to Mormons, that, you know, black <laughs> people are cursed oh. descendants of of Cain. That's just ridiculous. I mean, but I think they still teach that. <laughs> Mm. Wait, really? On the down low. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. That is not true, by the way. I do not condone that. Just in case belief. anyone, yeah, no, that we are speaking. <laughs> I reject that, that. Yes, wholeheartedly. That. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. I don't know how long have we been going for. I don't, how do podcasts work? Um. You call the shots. Wow. All right. Do you guys want to keep going? <laughs> Yes? No? I don't know. I mean, 
I'm just thinking, you know, I just talk, right? What I really wanted to get into was the love of God and, and seeing that in the conference. Um, I guess we'll just, I think 30 minutes is a good, good, good amount of time, but let's just talk about maybe in closing about, um, any other takeaways from maybe the, the, the sessions we had after the main, the main, um, the main, uh, what is it? Uh, general assembly, the general assembly, um, <coughs> you know, just any thoughts, um, or on some of the other speakers, I, I wasn't the last speaker. I wasn't able to see the full time, but uh, just any other thoughts or, I mean, yeah, cause, no, cause, I, I couldn't make it to the, the sessions. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, right. I, had, okay. yeah. I was scheduled to work. How about, how about this? Yeah. We didn't really get to talk about it as much, but the post Christianity of Europe, Maybe we'll just close talking about this a little bit and how it's kind of, I, I kind of opened with this, but um, that was big for me. Yeah. Re- really seeing, because I'm really thinking about like, wow, like what happens when, you know, chi- who, did you tell me China's already sending missionaries to the U.S.? Someone was telling me this, you know, it's like. People are coming from oh, other yeah. countries to evangelize to Americans. And I'm just like, that blows my mind. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, really? Like, I thought we were supposed to do that. And so it's just, it's funny to see our need in America. And, like, I feel it. Like, I feel the need already. Because I think about, it, like, when, when this generation, my yeah. generation, when, when we're the adults, when we're the leaders, like, we're I know right what now. I'm – What? We're not right now. Well, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. as it becomes more pre- present, you know, and, and um, the older generations are, pass- you know, just passing away. You know, I just – I really see that, like, these kinds of ingrained, like my, like, like how I grew up viewing Christianity, almost like subconsciously, you know, in a scientific, you know, getting the scientific worldview and then just like, um, you know, my wrestling with that. And then, but, you know, like, just, I, I see how we're headed to where Michael Reeves is already at, you know, like the, that having a, you know, a 50 year old taxi driver tell you, you know, religion is for the old folks. And I'm like, <laughs> and not knowing what a sermon is, not knowing what a pastor is, we're headed there, yeah. you know, we're headed there. And so, um, yeah. Any thoughts on that? You know, and then I think we, I just want to pray and then we can close, but any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, not a whole lot, but, um, you know, we haven't done adequate research to, you know, be able to say, like, give people the causes of why <laughs> Europe is in a post-Christian state outside of possibly social Darwinism and the world wars and the cold war mm. and just, you know, reasons outside of that but just a couple footnotes footnotes yes <laughs> but um we talk about it on that. more for you know america you know as christians we're not called to be passive i guess if we yeah. see a trend coming i mean and I think so you know what can we do to you know clearly we can't solve like the onslaught of you know post-christian culture coming yeah. but yeah. you know what can we do about it, I guess, is a good place where we could possibly end for today. Yeah, I think on, on, on an ending note, just, like, that was, the, that was the point of this podcast. Like, I wanted to, to address the questions that the, the, the agnostic skeptic is dealing with, the, the, the Christian who has delved into topics that they need answers to, to the, um, the Christian who is... is is, is struggling with who God is. You know, I want to touch on, on topics that are going to speak of God rightly, going to address the difficult topics in the culture and, and, you know, be honest, be honest when we don't know, when I don't know, I want to be able to, I'm comfortable saying, I don't know. 
I don't know the answer, but let's talk about it. Let's think about it because if we can't talk about it or think about it, we're not gonna we're not gonna get anywhere, you know. <coughs> so yeah, any closing thoughts, Andrew? I think about that actually a lot. The post Christian direction that America is going in, and I, my wife and I really feel called to America, yeah. uh, which is kind of strange. Um, you know, I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to be abroad, and I feel like the Lord is calling us stateside, and mm-hmm. we have our work cut out for us. You know, wow. as far yeah. in so far as sharing the gospel, like we're we're from New England, which is one of the most, if not the most, post-Christian areas in the country. You know, those states are the least least evangelized. They're the they're the most post-Christian. They're the most you know human and human secularist it's yeah it's really a a dry spiritual environment up there and they're not really open to it but i think it's because they haven't really seen or heard about the god that we serve (laughs) the god that we know intimately and uh, i want i want them to know about it so i'm not i'm not surprised that that's the direction we're going but uh i'm not hopeless either because i think that god can do mighty works uh you know beyond what we could even dream or imagine I think the darker it gets, the more the light shines. I really believe that. And I think the darker the culture gets, the more the, the more we stray from God's design, the more people are going to be hungry for the truth and for the, the, the correct design, really, Yeah. Um, in the end. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just want to or, pray. Or, you know, utter rebellion. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> yeah. praying. I'm praying, for, I'm praying for God to shine a light. So, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, let's, let's just, I just want to close in a prayer, and then, uh, yeah, that'll be it. So God, I just thank you for the opportunity to create a podcast like this. This is awesome, um, and I just pray, I pray for America right now. Um, you know, we're in dire need of of uh, the real you, the real God, the real Trinity, self giving God who is who is beautiful and and, um, and and does abundantly more than than all we can ask or thank God. And so my prayer is that um, I pray this podcast will be part of that. You know, just just trying to speak rightly of who you are, God. Um, and everyone who listens to this, thank you. I pray that, uh, this is, this is the first trial run that I've had with this thing. So let me know what's right, what's wrong. I'm sorry for the cough. I've been sick, but, uh, but you know what this just, I, my philosophy is let's just get something out there, see what sticks. So thank, thanks. Thank you everyone for showing up here and thank you for everyone listening. Bye-bye.